Welcome back to the Two Track Mind podcast feeds and part two of a special episode with me, your host Liam Toms, and with me as always is Edward Crawley, my co-host. Sorry, I, I said I'm the host there, but it's obviously split duties. It always has been. Well, yeah, no, that's fine. I think for this <laughs> particular episode, you are. I, I think that's what I had in one. mind. Yeah, I yeah that's, that's fine. I had in mind. So yeah, so this is this is my turn to uh, to quiz Ed on the big seven questions, which we've borrowed from uh, off the beaten track podcast. Now, if you're not familiar with it, then go back to part one of these two shows. If you're not listened to it already, uh, if you've already listened to it, then if you want to remind it, of course you can go back. But hopefully, you'd have remembered the context. Um, so we're going to jump straight in. Ed is going to be answering the questions as I say today, and the first question is. Uh, greatest intro to a song of all time so yeah I found this one really tricky and I was really um, really interested in your um, your sort of opinions on the intro um, I'm, I'm quite a I love an intro uh, and I don't mind the, the length typically if it but like you were saying if it's <laughs> that's within reason I don't want a boring intro, but I don't think anyone would want that. But um, so to go with more recently, because I, I don't, it's really difficult to try and there's this, uh, when you're trying to pick these songs, it's really interesting to try and think like, I've just gone with the song, but I definitely feel like songs were popping up in my head. And I was thinking, Oh, how does that make me look? And I was there. And in the end I was just like, Oh, I can't give a toss. <laughs> Um, so more recently, I've been reintroduced to a song um, because my both now, both my boys go mental when I put it on. And that's ACDC Thunderstrike. This isn't the one I've chosen, but that's got a very long, drawn out intro. And there's a, a vocal in it. And it just goes, thunder. Da, na, 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 na. And Fred, my eldest, will shout at me. He doesn't know it's ACDC. He doesn't know it's called Thunderstrike. He just knows it as Thunder. And he'll go, Daddy, put on Thunder, Thunder. And he's pits around the living room or he'll headbang in the van. And I'm now obsessed with that as an intro. And I'm now, through uh, the affiliation of it with my boys, I now love that song. Um, but that's such a long intro. And I think we yeah, talked... interestingly, yeah, we're talking about how I don't like long intros generally. Um, but that's another good example, though, where even though it's long, it's interesting. And yeah. in some ways, the intro is the best bit of that song. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Other than the bit when he shouts "thunderstruck," it's all about the intro for that song. Yeah. And when it comes on, and I've watched, I've never seen ACDC live, but when I've watched it on YouTube just to see what it sounds like. I've like I've gone. Oh God! I'd go to see them just for that track. Um, and there's other tracks which I could have I could have probably had this one as maybe an emotional song, but um, Morrissey Swadehead has got an intro for me, and that's I wouldn't say it's short, but it's it's quite to the point. And I went the other way with um, the Smiths and Morrissey. I was a Morrissey fan before I went back and explored the Smiths, I suppose. And that happened a lot around when we were touring um, in the Ford Galaxy. Um, and I just remember I used to have the back seat and I had my massive headphones on. And I just was uh, listening to Morrissey albums and the Smiths albums. And I love Suedehead as, as an intro. And when it came on, when uh, my wife took us over to, um, it was when he had his, his sort of illness scare and he was possibly discussing never touring again. And I was panicking about never being able to see them. Uh, see him live and it coincided with my sister's 30th birthday and obviously I was always going to go to my sister's 30th um, and Christy um, paid for us to go to Antwerp to go and see him live and that intro when he played it I, I was in tears I was like oh my god like he's actually playing it live and he's a he's an artist who will pick and choose the songs he plays live sometimes you'll get four Smith songs in a set Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll get his first album. Sometimes you won't. Sometimes you'll get all new stuff. So, so to to get something off his first album, and actually, I think we might have had three tracks possibly off his first. But yeah, again, so I've got an emotional connection with that. But the one I've actually gone for, which is there's two versions. There's a single version and a an album version. 
is dire straits money for nothing because a, if there was a question, a song you could never get bored of, that would also be the answer for it. Because as many times as I hear that track on all your local radio stations, who it's like, what Dire Straits song should we play? We're playing Money for Nothing. I have watched, I have lost so many hours on YouTube watching that song live. <laughs> and like Mark Knopfler just finger picking Money for Nothing and like, the intro and um you were obviously at my wedding um we requested that the band learn it and we paid them extra to learn that song just so i could hear the intro uh, was it worth but, it yeah fuck me it was worth the 40 quid but sorry i can't really remember it that well i was uh, no. very heavily drunk at that point no i think i was in the toilet and someone ran and got me um at the time oh, that would but, have been a shame if you'd <laughs> missed it but uh, you know and I talked about this in a recent Instagram live I did with a, a runner friend of mine, but um, that song's made me cry as well. Like uh, I was, I was in a race and I was nearing the end. I was, it was a 10 mile race. I was at mile nine and um, like it was the first race running race I'd ever done. And it was um, suddenly that came on the headphones and I just like, I knew we'd had like we, the wedding had been earlier that year and I was thinking about, the, the wedding and dancing with all my friends and being just drunk and then the that guitar came in and I love the song anyway like it's a bit tongue-in-cheek it the great thing about Dire Straits is when they're doing serious they do it so so well but when they want to do just a pop hit that is massive like at one point Dire Straits were arena selling stadium sellout bands all over the world like that song is just huge. So yeah, the, the song with the greatest intro, "Money for Nothing." I just, I every time I hear it, I won't skip it. I will never skip that track. Like if they accidentally played it twice in a row on a radio station, I would listen to it the second time as well. <laughs> um, when uh, when did you uh, become a fan of it? Was it earlier in life or more recently? Oh no, this I, this will be from maybe I'm going to say maybe when I worked at Barclays. So that would have been 16 odd years ago, maybe when wave 105, our local little radio station would play it. And I was like, you know, you just bob your head to it. But I you know, I wouldn't say I'm a massive Dire Straits fan. I know the singles and I'm sure the best of Dire Straits would be a great album. Um, I've got a couple of the albums on vinyl, um, brothers in arms. I can't remember the other one. Um, but I've known about the track a long while, but um, I wouldn't say it made me go and listen to Dire Straits as a band. I could tell you the main tracks, um, but it's just that single, that song. I make no apologies for just being obsessed with that one song. Um, and it, have you got the kids into this one? There was a well. There was a. There is a video on my Facebook of Fred when he was just walking. No, he might not have even walked to Walk of Life. Um, because obviously we had a local band who did a cover of that. Uh the da 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 and Fred is shaking yeah. his ass to it. Um and that that song created a hilarious moment just to go on tangent. I'm stood in Swanage, which is a small seaside town, and the headline band are on. <laughs> they start playing <laughs> Walk of Life as a cover. And our friend Tom turns to me and goes, is this Johnny Cash? <laughs> he, was, he was thinking of fucking walk the line, genuinely. I still wind him up about that. So I know that. Yeah, but there's, there's another level to that, because I remembered the story as him asking, was it Bruce Springsteen? So I also <laughs> got that part of it wrong. <laughs> oh, but... Oh, God. There's a, you know, it was 4 uh, was wasn't it, who we mentioned in the, yeah, the uh, previous in episode? The, but there's there's other tracks I could have been, I think the one that would have, was a close contender for second was the Smiths How Soon Is Now, um, and Johnny Marr is I think everyone he's not an underrated guitarist but he's possibly my favourite ever guitarist. He just does exactly what's needed. Doesn't take it too far. Doesn't chuck solos in for the sake of it. And he's a phenomenal guitarist and song. Excuse me songwriter but yeah dire straits pipped it and i i just love that intro and it makes me smile every time i hear it 
Excellent. Well, that's a good first choice. Uh, <laughs> right, the next one is, um, and you started to move into this category in your answer as I did on mine. Um, it's the first song that um, had a emotional impact on you. Um, so there was only two I could think of for this. In because like we mentioned in the first part, there's plenty of ways you could go with this. And in fact, the band I've picked have made me smile so hard as well. Um, but a track it could have been <laughs> is uh, a track that it, so I want it stated, this is not the track, but the only other track that was in contention was Emmanuel. Do you remember singing this in school assemblies that whole? Yeah. yeah. And I remember like that was back when there was an overhead projector. And with the uh, with the lyrics to the hymn on it. Yeah, yeah. and you'd sing all these like Christian I guess, I suppose it's Christian, be bold, be strong and everything. And then oh, my so favourite was um The Page is black <laughs> the page is white, the page is no. black. Together we learn to uh, read and write and all that. No, let there be light. Shine Jesus shine. Yeah. That was my favourite. Banger. Yeah, and uh, Christ, I'd belt that out now if it come on. And I'm not a religious man. But um, <laughs> I definitely remember being sat on the floor in assembly and Emmanuel coming on. And I remember it being one of the ones I preferred singing. And uh, I was surprised you didn't choose uh, a certain song from Assemblies at Litchit to, for your emotional track. Because you've had hay fever a couple of times in Assemblies, haven't you? I can't remember what the song was, though, to be honest with you. <laughs> well, no, that's why. But... It's not that, but I definitely remember feeling at school a bit moved by that song, but not enough for it to be picked. So the, the, the track I'm actually picking is R.E.M. Night Swimming, because um, I think it's the first track that's ever made me go silent and just <laughs> listen to it and not try and sing along, not try and learn the chorus. It probably took me a few listens to like start picking up the lyrics, but I think it's the first track that really just stopped me dead and and just made me think. Um, you know, I've, I've remembered the trips. So um, my my mum and dad separated when I was young and I've got a stepdad called Paul who I, I still see regularly because I work alongside him now. And um, his family, he's from Norwich and uh, we used to go up three, four times a year to see the extended family um, in this banged up Ford Cavalier. Um, no, Vauxhall Cavalier, sorry. It was like a, a I want to say blue, but it wasn't blue. It was like a bluey purpley colour. It was awful. But the, it was like the only tape we had was um, Automatic for the People by R.E.M. And I just remember blaring out, like me and my two sisters in the back, singing the songs from that album. But then Night Swimming would come on and, everyone in the car would be silent. And yeah, it was uh, the first song that I really thought, God, like, this did is Did you ever powerful. get to see, did you ever get to see R.E.M.? Yeah, so um, uh, I think I've told this story, but um, I was meant to see them in 2000, well, I did, I did see them in 2005, but the, it was in Hyde Park, but um, the literally the the day before, we were going to go and I was going to go and see them in Hyde Park, um, the London bombings. Um, That's right. Yeah, you have told me this before. I was thinking about this today. Um, if that had happened now, potentially that gig would have just been off. But um, it was just postponed for a week later. And uh, at the age of 15, 2005? No, 16. You'd have been 17. 16, 17. I can't have been 17. Maybe I was 17. I thought late 16. Either way, I went up with my girlfriend at the time um, to watch R.E.M. Um, and God knows why, but we had gold circle standing. And um, yeah, basically this song came on and uh, Michael Stipe uh, ended up jumping on the guitar, um, jumping on the piano, uh, which Mike Mills was playing two of the founding members. And there was this amazing moment in Hyde Park, 100,000 people, where there was one spotlight on the two mics, we'll call them, singing, just piano and vocals. 
and I full on broke down and cried <laughs> in uh, good stuff for that song but yeah so the, that's what you that's what you want yeah it was a, it was a, it was an incredible moment and they ended up for a bit of context they ended up finishing one of the encore songs became it's the end of the world as we know it and he said like you know he was it was it was done in such a beautiful way like this is what's happening to the world love each other blah blah but in case <laughs> anything happens and then suddenly it's the end of the world as we know it and it was just like a party like a hundred thousand people going mental singing this song and then literally maybe two or three songs before everyone had been in tears in the middle of Hyde Park um but that was just a great gig in general like Idlewild supported Feeder supported it was mad like Patti Smith came on and sang with them like what like it was just when gigs were proper gigs like it was the biggest gig I've probably ever been to as a headline act that wasn't a festival actually um but yeah uh, so yeah an emotional impact I, again mainly because I just remember being silent the first time I ever heard it and just taking it in um and it was a song that could have been we almost had it as our first dance song um because we both uh Christy and I both love Aria um but we, cho- we chose uh, a happier tune uh but for, yeah, uh, dancing Brucey, in the dark. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Christ, I could, I could get emotional thinking about it now. Oh, it's good. Uh, 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 I think that certainly rings true about my choice as well. Um, yeah. And as you say, you know, there's there's a lot of songs here that we could pick. I mean, I'm I'm probably emotionally moved by a song every month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but but when you when you sort of search in, inside yourself, uh, not to quote. Um, our, our favourite vocalist, Heather Small. Uh, but when you when you search for the for the for the song inside, you, I think you know, don't you, what, what it is? Yeah, that's a great, great choice. Thanks for that. So going to something a bit more fun, <laughs> and you wait till you hear it. Oh, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, so a song that reminds you of school. I've gone so so literal for this. Like there's no like uh, Booker T and the MGs, Green Onions. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's perfect. That I I couldn't when I was trying to think, I could not come up with one that couldn't remind me of anything else. You know, and as I said, I had to really sort of reverse engineer it. But that's, yeah, that's yeah. a perfect choice. So so tell us Tell us why. I, I mean, I know why, but remind yeah, me. So I was there thinking of all the punk songs and all the ska songs that like we'd listen to at lunch. or uh, And in sixth form, I found I'd just got into Idlewild and I was there thinking, no, that was more like me just doing, catching up on work. But the one song I kept going back to, and we, and we as a group of friends, if we get together, keep going back to, is an instrumental uh called green onions by booker t and the mgs and the it fucking randomly it's because our pe teacher at the time mr green taught it to us as a dance oh no 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 no. mr brown mr brown mr brown not mr green oh (laughs) easily done mistake um maybe it was raining and we were meant to be playing tennis, but we all got fucking taken into this sports hall. I think what it was, I think what it was, mate, is we had to, um, we had to like rotate between different sports and different things for PE. But dance wasn't a sport. That something must no, have been cancelled. That wasn't on the curriculum. <laughs> no, but it wasn't sports, was it? It was PE. So it's like uh, physical education or whatever. So for whatever reason, it was on the curriculum. Uh, as yeah. was ping pong. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> which was that. I, I, um, but he started playing this song, bum, bum, ba-dum, bum, bum, you know, and we learned this dance. And for some reason, it just became a staple of weddings, nights <laughs> out. We've done it on a train plat. We've done it on a train yes. station platform in London. Yeah, the district uh, line coming back to uh, Kew Gardens. We got and we um, got a round terminated. of applause, didn't we? Yeah, the, the train got uh, the train terminated at uh, Turnham Green. Yeah, so that was it. We, yeah. we were on that platform waiting for the train to come for the next bit to go on to Kew Gardens, and uh, uh, and we got a round yeah. of applause. Like um, there was always the same sort of five or six who did it. We did it at um, our friend Ian's wedding. 
Uh, we've done it at festivals. We've done it at house parties. We just, every so often, it's almost like a nod. And it's like we get the clicks out. And <laughs> and as Mr. Brown used to do it, he'd do a really slow one, a really cool version of it. And maybe, I'm sure there must be a video. You must have the video on the train station of us doing it. I don't know if I do actually. I think it. I think it might have been a video you had on your camera, perhaps. But but, but no, I, I definitely you, don't. Could, if I asked you now, could you go and do it? The dance. Oh, one hundred percent. Yeah, now, I, I would. And I would miss a beat. What I wonder is, did he get the dance from somewhere else, or did he devise the dance? <laughs> go with the second. He's choreographed <laughs> that. He's choreographed that dance, and he's taught it to us lot you know um but yeah it it doesn't define uh all my school years but just when i think of school i think of learning that dance because i still all these years later could stand on that floor and do the dance now and not miss a beat i would get it 100% right and i will remember that dance till the day i die there's no way of forgetting it and um <laughs> But it's just brought so many fond memories after it. Like with my schoolmates, I'm still very, very lucky to be uh, close with a lot of the guys from school. Me and you, we've been friends for like 17, 18 years, whatever the fuck it is. Like, and that is because of school. Like, so that dance just reminds me of like being at school. Yeah, it's a, oh, it's a great choice. If you've never good. heard it, you'll you'll you listen to the song. It's it's quality. It's, it's I, I, I'm a, impressed by your lateral thinking. On, on that yeah, I, could, I literally couldn't. I haven't even written down any others. I've really struggled with that one. So struggled. Um, I think because there was just so much music yeah, that we were like listening we, to I, at that point. Just absorbing it, weren't we? Like handing out mixtapes and and discussing new bands and going driving to London and I mean, like there were so many bands that like were the soundtrack of our school. But that one reminds me of school. So. Excellent. So we we talked, didn't we, on a recent episode about um, first records. Uh, you had a couple that you thought were your possible first records. Have you come to a conclusion? As that is uh, question four. Uh, what is the first record you bought? So I, I think at the time I thought it was one of three. It could have been either Eiffel sixty five, Blue Dabba D, or whatever it's called. Just Blue was it? Um, possibly Alice DJ, Celebrate Our Love. Could have been Craig David walking away. But I think I'm pretty sure the first CD I ever bought was a single, and that was Travis, Why Does It Always Rain On Me? And it wasn't until 1999, I reckon, I bought that. And I I think I own the album. Was it The Man Who of that yeah. album? That's, that's the one. Yeah, I think I do own that album on our... But I... I know Flowers in the Window, but I couldn't tell you. Like, I think I just bought it for the sake of buying it. Maybe it was one ninety nine in our price or MVC or something, um, and I just bought it. I don't think I was ever a massive fan of Travis, but, yeah, I think that was the first ever single I bought. And it might have been because it was number one at the time or not the coolest. I'm not a massive fan now, so it's it's not really fueled my love of music. but. For what it is, that's what that's that's what I think it is. So uh, you know, sorry to be a bit boring, but to no, some right. that track will mean the world, won't it? So it's not boring; it's yeah. all rel- it's all relative. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, isn't it, Travis? I, I think like they uh, they're sort of like sort of a bit of a forgotten act, really. Now, aren't they? Um, considering how big they were. And I don't know what their current status is. I don't know whether they're still recording music, but they did quite a few albums after. Again, I think Flowers in the Window was a single off the following album. Flowers in the Window, such a lovely uh, day. I think, the, what was the following album? Was it the Invisible Band? Yeah. Yes, you are correct. Have you Googled that? No. Oh, <laughs> you can see. <laughs> no, I, I can and see. But I'm, was I was pointing that, that out for the listeners, really. <laughs> there was a record that came out before that as well. I can't remember what that was called, but I can remember... Um, for some reason, it was uh, on sale in MVC, and this is when like MVC used to like you know have ads running on the TV with like what albums were reduced that week or something. Seems weird to think that now. Um, I remember Darren was heading into town, 
uh, our friend. And he said, do you want anything? And I said, oh, could you pick me up that Travis record this reduced to NBC? Did you get it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because this is at a point when we were trying to build our CD collections out. And it wasn't it wasn't always determined, was it, by what you liked. Sometimes it was yeah. what you could afford. <laughs> I really hope that, because we've had, uh, as mentioned in previous episodes, we've had Dario G listen to epi- uh, an episode We've had. Oh, are you uh, hoping that Fran Healy might listen to this? I'm no, I'm hoping he doesn't because well, basically just said I bought <laughs> I bought it because it was probably the first pick for that week in MVC or whatever you know. Um, it wouldn't have been HMV. What was that? You know, so our price. It was our. You know where Thorntons became in in the Arndale? Uh Falcon Records. Was that the one that was two up from it? You know, our um, yeah. Thorntons used to be on the corner. Yeah, you had Falcon Records on that side. Yeah, so that was where I bought it from. I remember that. I don't, and I'm pretty sure it was Travis. But that was where I bought it from. I couldn't remember the yeah. name. I can't believe you do. Your knowledge is in, unreal. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if anyone else listening, if you're local, if you remember Falcon Records, it had like a a grey frontage to it. Yeah, um, um, and it was very cheap. I seem to remember. But you know, I'm. Um, Again, it, it wasn't an album. It was a, a single. Um, but that that was it, yeah. Excellent. Uh, so moving on, uh, we did figure out that for the next song, which is a song that soundtracked your clubbing years, uh, that we had gone for the same song. Exactly the same song. We both went for Beating Hearts Baby by Head Automatica. And again, for very similar reasons to you, the, the two clubs that we, we did go to, and typically because we were requesting it because they had the little paper slot. In Sound Circus, you could, they had a, a specific area. You could walk over to a post-it pad, write it down, and hand Keith or the other one, Pete, Pete who was ever DJing, this little post-it. They'd give you a nod, say we'll play that. <laughs> and... Uh, Typically, it was played. It was very rare you didn't get something played that you'd requested. In um, hindsight, do you wish you'd abused that system a bit more with some obscure choices? No, I think what we needed at that point was bangers <laughs> that got us on True. the dance floor. If, because if, we... if, say, you'd requested Tammy Wynette and they'd actually played it, you'd have been pretty fucking annoyed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The thing is, we were choosing songs we almost had set moves for. Like the, oh, do you remember God. the arm that used to come out and your yeah, your indie dancing where you'd pretend to be having a fag and holding a glass of wine, and you sort of I don't know how you'd describe it, bounce around the dance floor pretending to I'm indie dancing, I'm indie dancing. Um, what about the uh, the Paramore back roll that we did? So was I, I was going to mention this Paramore. Uh, where Greg would bend over and I would pretend to be air guitaring and I would roll over his back. Um, Wait, so, who was I? Was I Hayley Williams? You were possibly Hayley Williams. But because we both Proud chose the same track um, and we sort of discussed it, I, I want to mention some of the other tracks that were always heard, um, whether it was Unit 22 or, you know, that on tour if we'd stay at, um, go to the club after one of the venues like we did in Newcastle, didn't we? Uh, Leeds. Oh, Leeds. The uh, the cockpit. The cockpit. We went... The, the tracks that seemed to always be on heavy rotation at that time were At The Driving, One Arm Scissor. Yeah, that was on my list. We didn't talk about it, but yeah. Enter, enter Shikari. Sorry, you're not a winner. Yep. And, I, and we did mention this, Fall Out Boy Dance Dance. It seemed to have bum ba dum ba dum bum 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 ba dum They were like the big hits, Soil Halo. There was... Um, do you, I wanted to ask you this. Again, it's very personal, so I apologise to any listeners not from Bournemouth, and I know most of them are. What was the one where that chick, and we used to call her the walking, the walkie walkerson or whatever we call her, and she'd just get on the, on the dance floor. She'd just walk up That's and down. Right. Yeah, that's I right. I can't remember you know, what this, song it was. It was by um, Kitty or... Um, this this long predates uh, the whole um, trend of Boaty McBoatface, doesn't it? Like We used to have yeah. Walkie McWalkinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah she yeah. was like, yeah, a goth girl. She, just, she was, she, she she was, was the only one on the dance floor. Just walking walk up, up 
and, <laughs> and I swear it was to like someone like um, Sisters of Mercy or someone like that, you know. And that, yeah, yeah, along those lines, wasn't it? It was so funny. But you know, it was. I love those times, like Slayer, Rain and Blood would come on, and it would just be like five guys with long hair, head banging, you know, just swinging their hair around, and then suddenly um, he'd drop. It was so funny when they used to drop a track that it would empty the dance floor and it would just get well, faded this is what out. I was going to ask, because obviously uh, we talked in the last episode about um, Unit 22 uh, and that being a big, uh, you know, Beating Hearts Baby being a big tune at Unit 22 used to fill the floor. But can you remember how well it was received in Bournemouth? Because the Sound Circus crowd was more metal generally, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Definitely the biggest, the big hits were, you know, you're at the drive-in, that was quite a popular one. Um, your Soil Halo, your Disturbed. Drowning Pool. Drowning Pool, Spine Shank. Uh, Chimera. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> which really love names now. Sepultura. <laughs> we are definitely showing our age, aren't we? Uh, Devil Driver. Yeah, Devil. I couldn't name any songs by these bands, but yeah, these are the sort of bands that I would typically remember being. To be fair, the Scar did go well da- uh, down well in in Bournemouth, well in Bournemouth. It? it was Bournemouth was very metal heavy, but then also very sort of punk Scar. Whereas Southampton was more um, emo, hardcore, pop punk, wasn't it? Could, did you could you ever explain to me why there was a pole dancers pole on the top? floor and most of the time it was blokes at sound circus i think because and again i don't care that this is on record or what anyone thinks i think the guys that ran it were a little bit strange (laughs) in truth because yeah i don't i think more recently even agree with that (laughs) (laughs) keep sound circus strange uh i think more recently they've actually put cages in I've not been for a long time, but from photographic evidence would suggest that they've got How cages now. What, with girls in cages? Probably most likely uh, still guys in, in cages. But oh. Yeah, because it's changed now, isn't it? It's not sound People anymore. enjoy it's that. <laughs> it's more, it's just alternative now. No, it's, it's just called alt. Oh, is it? Yeah. What's happened to the circus? It's left town. It's finally packed up. No, I think it's the same, the same clowns. But yeah, I mean, we—it was funny, really. When I was talking to you earlier on, I said I was getting a bit emotional, um, and it wasn't even over the emotional category. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was actually thinking about these times, and obviously, right now, you know, we are we are living in such odd times, aren't we? Uh, but one thought that's crossed my mind is that this would be so much weirder, I think, for you and I and our friends right now. If this was ten, twenty, uh, you know, ten, twelve years ago, when we were going out every weekend clubbing to suddenly have that taken away must be really weird. Yeah. So I kind of think about it from that point of view, but I think also I just kind of felt like this was such a long time ago for us, but it was just such a good time. Yeah. Sometimes I do stop and I think, Oh, you know, that was five years ago and you go, no, it wasn't five years ago. (laughs) It was uh, doubling it at least once. (laughs) When longer in the, in the, in, in parts, you know, we did, yeah, weird, really. But yeah, it would have been odd if this had happened then. But we've, we've got, luckily, we've got the memories. I don't think clubs are the same now. I don't know if, I don't, I can't see many people driving to a club on a Thursday night in Southampton to not drink because they either lack of funds or we hadn't really found alcohol then. Mm. Um, just to dance and just that's, to... a, that's a really good point because i think one thing you can yeah one thing that we can say honestly with these particular clubs is that we had almost just as good a time if we were drinking or if, if we were sober yeah, yeah. um i've probably done hot... as as many times sober as i have drunk or whatever yeah. you know um yeah i have I, ha- I do know some people i've got some friends who are into like drum and bass and stuff and they will go to those nights sober in the same way that we go to a gig sober and, and i was talking to um i've probably spoken with our friend ed shaw about this a few times he's always been a drinker at gigs 
um, and and did find it a bit odd that quite often I'm quite happy not to have a drink at a gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> not even one, you know. And I think that's because for so many years we we just didn't. Um, it, it wasn't part of it. Well, we used to. We were we, we were we had a really like minded group of mates. So when bands would come over from America or wherever, we would drive up to London on a Tuesday night when you know in the middle of term. Um, and all of us, you know, when we first learned to drive, drive up there, get the tube from Kew Gardens to Tottenham Court Road, go to the Astoria and drive back. And then, you know, some of us were doing homework on the way or whatever, or we'd, you know, there was times when I definitely got in from a gig and would then stay up for another hour just to finish a bit of homework and and mum would find me asleep at the desk. There was definitely a time. In fact, I know which time it was. Do you remember when in media with, um, who was the cool media teacher we had? Uh, The older chap. Uh, Mr. Clark. Was it Mr. Clark? But I don't when know, because if you're talking sixth form, to... if you're talking sixth form, don't forget I wasn't there. No, no, it wasn't. We had to design a magazine, a music magazine, an album right. sleeve, and a piece of merch. I swear yeah, I you did it... it as well, because yours, yeah, yeah. yours was, mine was all hand done or scanned, and yours was like actually on a computer. And uh, I remember finishing that after a gig and putting the final touches to an article about pin badges. Um, my magazine was called Informal and it had Offspring on the front cover and oh, I think mine was called um... oh, God. Did it with D? Disconnected or something? Distortion TV or something? No, I can't remember now I, I, it, was, it was there in my, on the tip of my tongue and I've forgotten it oh, well, That's, 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 that's going to be a brain teaser I'll think about that in the week The articles I did one was on the Real Big Fish live DVD one was on Offspring Splinter, the album, and the other was Top 20 Badges. Remember when we used to go to like Red Rock and stuff and buy those badges? Oh, I, yeah. did a top, I, I did a mine. Top 20. Brilliant. I'm, <laughs> I'd I love to read that I wouldn't be surprised now. if I could find them somewhere. Um, yeah, I've definitely still got mine. But back to what you said about drinking at gigs. I remember going to see Chemical Brothers at uh, Bournemouth, sold out with a, a friend we both used to know back at school called Joe. And I remember being asked twice by two different people, have you got any drugs? And I was stone cold sober driving that night back because I had to take Joe back to Sanford. And uh, I was just having, that was just me. I was just having a great time. I didn't need, no, I, no, sorry, mate. Mm. I'm on nothing. This is just me. And if, thinking about it now, I must have looked like a fucking Looney Tune. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> actually, it was you know, I shouldn't be proud of this at all. I obviously look like a bloody Wally. Uh, but, you, I, you know. If there was a club night playing the sort of music that we're discussing here, do you think you could go sober? Now? Yeah. Uh, it's not because I wouldn't. It's not, All right. So I could easily do it sober, but I do think I would enjoy it more drunk. Yeah. But I could yeah. do it sober. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't I'd, want to. There's, I've got to be honest and, and say, I don't, you know, I don't want to seem heartless in this, but there's in the last couple of months, there's not been a huge amount that I've missed per se, but there is a lot of stuff that I'm looking forward to being able to get back to, and some of those things are things that I haven't done for a few years anyway. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I I, I think I could go to a club night playing some of these tunes once we are able to reconvene and I think I'd just be high as a kite, just the euphoria of just being back together would be great. Yeah. 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 In that circumstance, I could easily drive and meet up with you and not have a drink. Um, but if we were, if you're saying go back to sound circus on a Thursday night or a Saturday, no, nah, I mate, not I'm going to have to be levered. <laughs> I'm going to have to be absolutely off my trolley. Brilliant. Yeah. Okay, so moving on then. Uh, a track by a uh, artist from your hometown. Okay, so this was, I wrote it down almost instantly. And then I said, no, have a think about it. Who am I missing here? And that's not because of, I don't want to give any discredit to the band I've chosen because I love that band. I've got so many memories and you discussed it similarly in your episode. 
But I was like, well, hold on, who is from Bournemouth? Who is from Poole or Dorset? And I was going to exploit a loophole at one point and pick a Blur track because Alex James, the bassist, is famously from Bournemouth. And uh, I do really like Blur. But saying that, my favourite album by Blur is The Best of Blur. Because... <laughs> All right, Partridge. No, 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 no. But that that's genuine. I heard this on another podcast on um, Britpop. Britpop banter. There we go. Britpop banter. And they were discussing the Oasis and Blur um, situation that happened in 1994. And the guy was like, I think Blur have got some incredible tracks, but I'm not sure they have a full-length incredible album. And I sort of... A, I sort of agree with that. Like, the singles are massive, and there's a couple of albums, like 13, which I really love, and Park Life, I think, is a cracking album. But other than that, there's none that I would go, yeah, there's 14 tracks of Stone Cold hits. Um, So I sort of, when he made a joke, and he said, That's a really interesting point, actually, because I think, in many ways, it's some of the artwork from the Blur albums that are more iconic than the albums themselves. Yeah, yeah, like the Greyhound um, yeah. track in, in Park Life. Um, and even the Best of Blur, the sort of... Um, who's that artist who did those sort of um, images? It's of, kind of a... I don't, I don't know who did that, but it's a kind of a Andy Warhol sort of style, isn't it? That's it, it and yeah. Um, and then 13 is very much like a, a painting almost of a, a, a weird... Um, I don't know what you'd call it. Um, but the third... Yeah, 13 would be the album for me that if I was going to listen to a Blurman album, I like and any album that starts off with Tender um, as a, an opening track is is pretty brave. Um, but I wonder I wonder if Graham Coxon might have painted the front cover to 13 because um, it's sort of his style of art. Which uh, he, he, what? Uh, album was it that he left on was it think tank or think tank yeah um which isn't a bad album actually and actually their new album um this is totally off topic um is it called the magic whip or was that one of the tracks no it was called the magic whip um there's a couple of really good tracks on that um and as an album i don't think it's too bad like it's a bit different and they released a couple of singles in between that under the west way and Oh, I should have written this down. It will come to me at some point. Um, they really weren't that bad. Um, and in fact, I think their Glastonbury set, they uh, when they headlined Glastonbury, when they came back, and they haven't actually officially gone again. They're just sort of not doing stuff. And obviously, Damon Alban is fingers in many, many, many pies, gorillas. He's got soundtracks to theatre shows, album stuff. Um the good, the bad, and the queen. He's he's in lots of different things, um, but yeah, again, then as a band, they're not from Bournemouth, so they've just had a lot of time, haven't they, for a band that aren't actually from the fucking hometown. Okay, the base, a, a bassist who left Bournemouth to go to the big city to become famous. Um, but the band I have chosen is a little-known pop punk band who started off as a band that I liked as a um, as a band called Odd, um, mainly because I was jealous that I wasn't in a band with my mates at the time and the one that I was trying to get going just wasn't working. And then the band sort of evolved and two other guys joined the band. Um, and became, well, they were, they were, it was, Breaking Fast was already the name, wasn't it, before you joined? Yes. Yeah, yeah was, and yeah. Tom joined after you, didn't he, officially? Yeah, about a year later. Uh, yeah, but so I, see, I, see, I saw that band grow from a three-piece band singing about farts and willies and dicks and bloody tits, <laughs> a, a Blink-182 rip-off band, basically. And I, I you joined and... I've said this openly, like, as a lyricist, you're possibly one of my favourite people because that, like, a lot of your lyrics were about stuff that I might have been at. Or, oh, but you know, what I was writing was pretty embarrassing at that no, point. But it wasn't. It was fucking the, the, the best lyrics are the most honest. Like, just, we listened to um, the same episode of um, 
Song, uh, Song Exploder or Song Explorer with Rivers, Rivers Kumo from Weezer and he was saying he just thinks of little lines and writes them down. He's got thousands and thousands of little snippets and he puts them together to make a, a set of lyrics and that's great. It's lovely because it writes a hit and some will have more meaning than others but all of your lyrics were like a story. It was like a fucking story of like the summer or the, a night out or and it just like... I, I, I there's, there's no denying that there was, at one point, I was like, fucking hell, why am I not in this band? And then obviously El Paso happened for me and it was a bit different. But, you know, all the, the funny thing gigs- is, is that um, before I joined Breaking Fast, um, there was like a, a very loose conversation where where Alistair was, in, was seeing whether I was interested for El Paso. Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? And I mean, I, I don't, consider myself really to to be anything of a vocalist and considering what they were looking to do with that band I don't I don't think I'd have been able to blag it in quite the same way I did for Breaking Fast but as you know like the really the singing part was the bit I was least interested in and it's kind of it's a weird experience I've had you know being in bands and stuff because fronting the band writing uh, sorry uh, front the band singing the songs playing an instrument never an interest to me but the lyrics that was just the thing that did it for me and i i could have quite gladly just written lyrics and just handed them out to to to, to our friends in bands and just been quite content with that and in some cases i did i was a couple of friends that did ask me to write some things but that was just what i enjoyed which makes it all the more difficult for the track I've chosen, really, because it's a set of George's lyrics. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I could have it. I almost, uh, I almost did pick perfectly, um, perfectly timed. Please don't go halfway around the world away from me. But um, I'm going yeah. for. Um, I, did, I to be fair, I did, I did do in in many ways. He he did used to do a hatchet job on the stuff that I wrote. And I think I may have done it the other way round on his because I was having to sing it. Um, but yeah, that was him. Have you got a favourite set of, have you got a favourite song from that band that you wrote lyrics? Uh, yeah, there was one, but it's it, the demo kind of got lost. It was one of the very last ones we did before it became Canada Water. Um, it was called Cold Front Moving In. I think that was probably the best set, but I think a lot of it got recycled for not, Canada not Water Not Live for the Summer? Oh, that's, I I I like that song. I'm, I was pleased. Oh, well, that that's song, the, that's but... the song I've chosen. I've cho- I've chosen. So I have chosen "Breaking Fast," "Live for the Summer," purely because you know, as a band, you know, one of our friends um, has a tattoo, essentially a "Breaking Fast" tattoo, because it was a T-shirt design, and it was a tattoo design. He got the tattoo first, didn't he? And then a T-shirt came from the sleeve. Um, that's right. In that order. So, but you know. You were the first like local band to do a t-shirt and to put merch out, like the green t-shirt with the white just breaking fast on it. And yeah. like I remember every other band had one. It was like and t- the t-shirt was a fiver, you know, like and it came yeah. from Phantom Screen Print. Um That's I can the one. Yeah. And um, Well, you know, you know what it was? Like our our uh, our mindset was always that we would just sell them pretty much for cost because we just wanted people to be wearing them and it genuinely was cost wasn't it it was like 455 to get the t-shirt and you made like 40p on a t-shirt yeah but we had everyone wearing the shirts and (laughs) you know really funny thing they uh we we managed to get our friend um who we don't really talk about that often but our friend jim uh who worked in a shop in on the high street uh lemon tree he sold them in there (laughs) Yeah, and it was so weird that I I used to go in there like just have a chat with him, and I'd go and like take some more stock in or collect you know the money that we sold. But strangely, the first time I met Sam, who obviously is my partner, has been for over ten years, was when I was going in to uh, to collect some of the t-shirts or either either collect the money or, dro- or drop some off. Yeah, that's the first so time. I met her. But I, you know, I just and I remember you handing out those um the DIY sleeves with it. Was it, was it a bottle of Mountain Dew? Or, yeah. 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 Um, and I've probably, I think I've still got that. Um, yeah. My I parents sent me a photo. It. I think they were unpacking from their big move last year and uh, yeah, they found their copy. But yeah. So yeah, I just, for the, for very similar reasons, like going to, uh, well, that, like, that was a fun song and that was, uh, I was very 
and I, and heavily I just into like to the say, Ataris don't... at that point. So yeah, that was very, very much in a, that should have been on so long Astoria that song. But and also just quickly, don't do yourself down as a as a vocalist. You were uh, as a front man, a vocalist. You 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 took that band to another level, and I, I think the guys would probably uh, agree with that. Because well, they were very, dog shit. Very kind. They were, very kind. They were dog shit without you, mate. They were dog shit. <laughs> <laughs> I think what I'd say is that I'm. I'm just. I've never really been comfortable in that role, and and perhaps the most comfortable I ever was doing it is when we shared it when we did um, the band that we don't really talk about that much. Our uh, our short lived. Um, <laughs> hardcore punk. <laughs> Maybe that's well, for another time. I don't. I don't think we were that. But I. Th- I. I think there was a career there. We could easily pick that back up as dual vocals. So finally, a uh, song many may not know, but you uh, would like them to hear. Is that right? Have I got that right? Words to that yeah. effect. Yeah. So I think this is potentially the hardest question in music that I've ever been asked. This is as hard as who's your favourite band? Because you can't... You With favourite band, you can shrug it off and say, well, you know... I listen to this person a lot, blah, blah, blah. But when it's just like one song from a that you want other people to hear, it was so difficult because I was there trying to weigh up, well, how popular are they? What venues do they play? Could they play bigger venues if more people heard them? You know, do I want them to play bigger venues? Actually, I don't want that band to be heard anymore because I like the, <laughs> I like the venue they play. If they got bigger, I'd be, I wouldn't want to see them in that venue. Um, it was really odd, and as I lo- we I laughed when you said yours because, um, oh shit! But one of the ones I've got written down is Million Dead after the Rush Hour, and that is because, and as as we were saying briefly in the last episode, so go back and hear the full conversation about that. Um, it's at the end of the last episode. Um, is that Frank has created such a uh, he Frank is known now as just Frank Turner. And he is known as just Frank Turner and the Sleeping Souls or just Frank Turner, the solo artist. There are people who like Frank Turner and his albums that don't know him as Million Dead frontman of a hardcore band. And I was like, and then I was there thinking, well, I remember once going back to El Paso when I first got into them, telling Alistair, Fifi, uh, the bassist of the band, knowing, trying to be cool almost like, mate, because he liked... um, some really heavy stuff. He went really heavy because he was a drummer and he used to, he could play heavy drums and he's been in various bands since like math core, whatever you want to call it. I don't really know the genres because it's not a genre I particularly listen to, but I remember saying, Oh mate, you need to listen to million dead and him going, yeah, I quite like this. Are they playing? And me going, Oh no, they've just split up <laughs> and him, and him going, Oh, why, why have you shown me this? Like, because now I can never see them. And I'm like, Oh yeah, there is something in that. Um, so that was one of the, the reasons I didn't choose them because I was like, well, I wish people had heard of them and they maybe had done it for a few more years. But then we wouldn't have got Frank and, you know, Sleepers for the Week and some of his albums since as some of my favourites. And like we were saying, he's doing the Thursday night album playbacks where he plays them acoustically and they've been insane. They've been incredible. Um, and then I was like, well, let's go really, really niche and I'll pick Jimmy Fontana, Il Mondo, which was the song my wife, Christy, walked down the aisle to. Uh, and it's from a film called About Time, which Richard Curtis wrote. Uh, the same guy wrote, um, what's that uh, film with all the celebrities in that always gets played at Christmas? Love Actually. Uh, Love Actually. He wrote Love Actually. And this was like his next film. And I think it's better than Love Actually. And it's <laughs> Christy and I, if we're stuck for a film to watch, we put on this About Time film. And she walks down to the aisle of it in the film. And I was like, well, I'd love it. But that was released in bloody 1965. Mm. Uh, <laughs> um, so this, the, the band I've gone with and the song I've chosen is such an odd one because they can tour the UK, but they choose not to now. They do it under a different concept. Uh, they do a weekender. So the... The, the the band and the song I would like people to hear is a band called The Hold Steady. And uh, the song is Same Kooks. Uh, oh, interesting some choice. Kooks. Yeah, so it's off the Boys and Girls in America album, which was the third album? Yeah. Third album. Um, in 2006, that came out. 
And I'd argue that people do will know of the hold steady. Um, but I'd also argue that they don't. Um, but we've been lucky enough. I've seen them at, we, well, we've seen them at Portsmouth, Wedgwood Rooms, Southampton Uni, uh, and we've seen them in London a, a, a few times. But now they just come over to London for a, 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 the the weekender, which is just free shows at possibly my favourite London venue, uh, the Electric Ballroom. They do two nights, and then they do a Sunday at um, Bush Hall or something. That's right. Yeah. And I almost don't want to see them in any other venue now because I love Electric Ballroom as a venue anyway, and it it suits that band. But also, I do think that that band should be bigger because they are phenomenal. Like they're sort of, and Craig Finn is a lyricist and as a vocalist, and his style of vocals and the way he delivers everything is sort of like scatty and almost spoken word esque. And there's like so they they used to be in punk rock bands and hardcore bands and I think one of them was in Rocket from the Crypt and he was in a band previous called Lift the Puller and like so it's punk rock and it's rock and roll and it's 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 pop and it's just it's it's phenomenal and I'm yeah it's it's a band that if you if you haven't got into that if you heard now and you wanted to dig into there's a good amount of uh back catalogue there to enjoy and even within that the universe that he's created within the songs of the different characters it, it's uh i don't want to call it a cult but it, it's a community to hold steady now isn't it i mean you've got the uh the unified scene as they call it which is basically the audience <laughs> anyone that goes to uh a hold steady show becomes part of the unified scene don't they and, and it's and it's a real dedicated thing. it's a real dedicated following isn't it um, yeah, it started. It started almost as like a, a bar band. That was kind of what it was, and now it's just like yeah, a, uh, yeah, it's a community. Um, and he's been so prolific as well. Like in the last few years, the amount of music that he's made, not just with Hold Steady, but also uh, solo. There's Craig Finn. So I think Same Kooks is probably maybe track four, track three, track four off um, Boys and Girls in America. But it's it's, I think it. It's fast and it's, you know, it's a little bit punky in in its sort of its dynamics and, um, but yeah, I love that track. Um, and I, I guess it's your favourite, or you just think it's it is one of my words. it is one of my favourites. I could have also picked like Chips Ahoy, uh, and then I um, I could have gone for a, a more uh, maybe a more well-known track but i did try and choose a track that might not be known you know i didn't want to choose a sequestered in memphis or or construction uh constructive summer uh purely because if if you had heard of the hold steady you may have heard that track so i, I purposely did choose this track but it, i would i would argue that it's probably in my top five hold steady tracks it's not my favorite but it's definitely up there but yeah i do think as a band I'm so, I think what annoys me more is how big the Gaslight Anthem got. And I know they were possibly better looking and taller, whatever, you know, all the things <laughs> that make them more of a Koran magazine cover band. You know, they had a look, the denim, Brian Fallon had a look, tattooed sleeves. And let's be honest, Craig Finn isn't going to win awards for Drop Dead Gorgeous. You're not... He, he's not going to attract teenage girls looking for a different genre of music because they're the next big band. They've got a core following because the whole city have produced album after album of quality material. And what I was saying about Blur and how the best of Blur would be my favourite album, the Hold Steady, the back catalogue is phenomenal and every album is just strong it's just it's a it's a the all the whole album is listenable like there's no yeah you're you're making me think about this as as you're saying it i think that they fall into the category of bands band don't they which does get thrown around quite a bit but i'd say they definitely are one of them i mean we know frank's a big fan and has has covered some of their songs before um but i think also they're uh they're a very particular music fans band as well and i'm not saying like a true music fan or anything like that because i don't think such a thing exists but i think they're the sort of uh they're the sort of band that appeals to 
a, a music fan that just enjoys being a fan. Do you know what I mean? Like there's a lot yeah. there, as I say, to dig into. And if you're if you are a fan, you are rewarded, I think, by that band. Well, we, we we've been to see him live, and I've I've said just for this gig, just watch the bassist because look how much fucking fun he's having. Or you know, <laughs> will there was a period where Franz Nikolai, um, who's the pianist, um, he left the band and they became more of a guitar band for an album, and then you know, for whatever reason, he came back and you know, I can just spend the whole gig watching him on piano downing a bottle of red wine and like, but musically. They're so tight. They're a good. They're a. You could be a, a incredible guitarist and love that band. They've got everything. So I know I contradicted myself and said I, in your episode I don't particularly like a solo, but that's because I don't like a solo when it's not necessary. They they've got three guitarists, and they're a guitar heavy band, but all of it fits. All of it works. None of it's unnecessary. Everything is thought of and purpose and they've got sing-alongs and they've got pop choruses and they've got sing-along choruses they hit every bloody yeah, thing and they do- they're uh they're good musicians but they're uh, not, incredible musicians but their emphasis is on the songwriting not on the musicianship as the package yeah the package deal aren't they rather than mm. just uh can i have two minutes to show off here mm. but they, well, could. they could well yeah I, I i was a bit worried that you might say oh is that what you've come up with? But I, I'm really strong. <laughs> that would I, be I'm a not, bit harsh, wouldn't it, to finish on? I, I am not going to pretend that I am looking for the next big thing every week. If something comes across my radar that no one's heard of, I will listen to it. It doesn't matter how big or how popular. But I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and pretend and say, "Look, I've I walked past a tramp in the street." the other day and everyone needs to listen to him because he's the next C6 Steve you know I don't, it's just it's so difficult to come across new music these days but also I don't think hearing about about like if if your if your choice was I think everyone needs to go back and listen to um well for instance a guy, a person who's been on the Off The Beat Track podcast, I went back and listened to Ride um, because of uh, Stu had one of the, the guys from Ride on. Now, I forgot his name because Ride weren't someone who I'd I'd listened to previous, but I went back and listened to it. And I was like, oh, I've heard this song. I've heard this song. Oh, they were... And through the episode, I found out information about them. And I was like, oh, he did this. He was in Oasis. And this guitarist ended up being an oasis and i heard about this whole new genre of music and they're from bloody longs ago you know but mm. and but because i do tend to like indie music as well i've now put them on a playlist because i'm like oh yeah i'll check this band out so that's what i'm doing with the hold steady yeah they're an established band and they they don't need the fans they're very happy doing what they're doing but also if you haven't and especially if you've checked out similar guitar bands like rock and rolly punky bands go and check out the hold steady you you won't be disappointed from the the shows that you've listened to uh on the uh off the beaten track podcast are the majority of them older songs or do you get people who are trying to um plug newer acts because i can't remember from the ones i've listened to um so the, the the front man of the mystery jets his was a younger choice um they had Matt Willis on from Busted, which was an incredible listen. Um, and his choice was more modern songs, I'll say. There was a couple of older ones. Uh, I think he chose a Madness track, uh, but a, f- a few of his were newer songs. Um, they, 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 there's a real mix, actually. Um, typically, some of them are older, but I think we'll, if we were if we were actual guests, I think ours might be some of the more modern, newer songs that are around. But I, that's our age, isn't it? You know. Yeah. Well, no, this has been this has been really good. I really enjoyed it, and uh, you know, definitely go and check out the sh- the show if you haven't already. Um, we are very grateful, aren't we, to uh, to Stu for giving us his blessing to uh, to do these episodes, and they've been really good yeah. fun. I've I've enjoyed being on the. Uh, the receiving end and the uh, the host end. So, yeah, thanks. Yeah, for, I've, thanks I've, for recommending I've, this. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I thought that was wicked, and um, <laughs> you know, I would make some joke about what 
what what other shows can we rip off next? <laughs> well, we'll do song exploder next, shall we? We'll go into <laughs> great detail about um, the Canada Waterback catalogue. Oh God, um, we don't want no, to I lose can't. this. I don't think we'll do that. Um, no, no, no. I've I've really enjoyed it, and again, I really enjoyed your enjoyed your choice of songs, mate. Yeah, likewise. Um, and if people want to find it, they can find the show on Acast and everywhere. Really, can't they? It's um, everywhere, as you said, it's yeah. part of the uh, distraction. Pieces, pieces that right? network. network yeah distraction yeah. pieces network and check out Stu's other project as well the uh, the pod bible uh, that's really cool uh, and you may find yeah, some of the shows yeah. through that he, that you like yeah and he also he just quickly just he does another one called hardcore listing with a, a chap called chris a, a sort of co-present and they do like a top five type thing and they've done everything from top five superhero outfits or top five movie villains and stuff and that's quite cool they occasionally have oh guests dear, we've not that. we've not ripped that off have we <laughs> with our top no five no 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 we haven't ripped we haven't ripped that off with our top five yet but um yeah that's a cool that's a cool episode as well uh, a cool. cool podcast and if you enjoy your show go down the pink toothbrush one day in the future when it's open and buy him a pint oh yeah he's a he's a drinker i'm sure he'll accept it excellent Edward, where can people find you on the interwebs? I am um, at Run With Ed. Excellent. And you can find me at Liam Toms and liamtoms.com. And of course, the podcast is at Two Track Mind Pod on most good platforms. Um, this has been really fun. Thanks again for, uh, for suggesting it. And we'll be back soon with, uh, with some more on the Two Track Mind podcast feed. Until then, goodbye. Goodbye.